Shall we begin? everybody welcome back to a brand new episode of the frankly francisco podcast today my guest is a published author at 15 has several poetry collections out and a fantasy novel um i'd like to introduce everybody to kalela how are we doing today we're doing pretty good how are you i'm good uh so interesting i seen uh i see you have a collection of poetry you were first published at 15 tell me about that how did that come about? Where did you find that passion to be able to write? Because a lot of people can't do that. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's kind of a funny story. I started out um, doing forum post, play-by-post role-playing about the characters from a kid's book I, I read. And I was about 12 when I started that. And it taught me how to write, how to write stories, how to get you know proper grammar, everything and from there it just kind of developed into I was sitting in psychology class in high school and I was like I may have an idea for a book and then for six months straight I just worked in my book and my grades suffered for it but I wrote my first book so at what point did you know that this is something that you wanted to do for yourself I mean I know there was a spark at some point but it seems like this is a full-time thing for you writing you've been you've put out quite a few number of books and it seems like you just have a knack for it. Where did it shift from poetry into fantasy? It, um, I'd always wanted to write a fantasy novel, um, to be quite frank. Um, for The Buried King, I was actually in a psychiatric unit when I wrote the beginning of it. And um, I just read The Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard, and that spiked a lot of my fantasy inspiration. Her books are phenomenal. I would definitely recommend them. They're a good read. So when you say uh, you were you were locked up for a little while, you know, um, I know you're a mental uh, health advocate, and that's a, a big part of my show as well. Is is you know, it's a subject we bring up a lot because there are a lot of outlets for people who suffer from mental illness. Writing is one of them. Uh, music is another. Uh, do you feel like when you write, uh, it is a pathway for you? It, it helps ease your mind. You know, it helps when you're in a dark place at times. Yes, um, that's usually when I write my best poetry. Um, my poetry is all very focused around mental health, addiction, grief, stuff like that. Um, but when I write my fiction books, um, it gives me a world away from my world. So how do these ideas come up for the, the fantasy books? So how do you put that together? Because fantasy is not an easy thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, tropes that people fall into. But for you, how do you come up with new ideas, fresh ideas for the books when, you know, because sometimes we have to pull from, we have to pull from inspiration. We have to, we see something that we like and we try to tweak it into our own. How do you pull your inspiration for your fantasy novels to make them stand, stand out a little bit more? Really, it just kind of hits me for my upcoming book, Hidden Faces, um, which is due for release in 2024. It's a cathartic piece um, written about my time in a psychiatric unit, and that's what inspired it. But for The Buried King, I was just sitting there one day, and I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I want to write something. Let's try this. And it started off one way, 
then as I wrote it, it kind of diverted a different way. I don't really write with like a set plot line. I just kind of write and let it go where it goes. Yeah, I've never been able to complete a book. I, I've I've worked on several. Uh, you know, I have uh, severe ADHD, so I'll have four or five chapters done, and then I'll get bored with it and leave it. Uh, you know, it's one of my biggest issues not being able to to, to complete an actual book. How long does it usually take you from start to finish to complete uh, one of your books, edit it, you know, uh, have somebody look it over, or do you do all the editing yourself? So for my first, for The Prophet's Daughter, When I Am Someone Else and The Buried King, they were all self-published, which was a challenge in its own way. I was very lucky to have a lot of support with my work. Um, Thread and Twine was released in July of 2020, what year, 2023. And it, I found a uh, publisher for it who is actually based in Canada, which is pretty difficult because most publishers are based in America. Mm -hmm. um, working with her has been phenomenal because she helped me grow confidence in my poetry because I'd already had two published poetry books, but they didn't do very well. Um, but finding Elizabeth was great. She's been a phenomenal person to work with. And so it's definitely helped give me some inspiration. So have you circled back now since you're you're writing more and you're, you know, you're publishing more? Have you circled back to those original books that did not do well and republished them again? Or have you been promoting those books to see if the sales have gone higher from when you first started to where you are now? Um, I took down The Prophet's Daughter because I feel it's not my best work. I don't want everyone to read it and think that that's my best. I was 15 when I wrote it. So um, When I Am Someone Else is still available. Um, I published that one in 2019. I believe I would have been about 22 at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I also wrote Scarlet Clock, which was published by a publisher in the States. And um, that's some of my best work. Uh, the publisher priced it a bit high, but... Um, the book itself, I find, was pretty good. But I do keep the, like, The Buried King, I do try to promote that as much as possible because it is a lead-in to my upcoming book, Shadow Dancer. So the books are connected. So you only have one fantasy novel at the moment. How many books of poetry do you have out in total right now? Three. You have three. And then the fantasy novel is just one. And then with the new book coming out, it is, it's, it's a direct connection to The Buried King, correct? Yes. Okay. So for that, how many books do you think of this fantasy writing you're going to do? How do you see yourself? You know, you have uh, you have people who write fantasy and it can be five, seven, eight, you know, novels. Or do you have a specific number of books that you want to write for this? Or are you just going to keep writing until, you know, you, you figured you had enough of, of the characters? I'm just going to keep writing until I figure that I'm done with the world. Nice. Now, as far as your scheduling for books. Have you gone on tour yet? Have you done readings? Has there been anything where you've been able to promote yourself in person and read at some of these, uh, like, you know, a Barnes and Noble or a library or something like that to read your book, to promote yourself more? I did when I was younger, do a reading with the prophet's daughter at Indigo. Mm -hmm. um, back when it was called chapters and it was an amazing experience I was going to do one with the buried King as well, but unfortunately I've been in a bit of financial crisis. So I wasn't able to afford to buy the books that I would have to bring to the, the signing. I am yeah. planning on doing some more podcasts and interviews and stuff like that to kind of broaden my audience and 
I mean, it's always good to have, you know, different resources to get yourself out there to promote your book. You know, going on podcasts is a good way of doing that. You know, promoting it on your social media is another way. I mean, you, you're proud of this book. You're, you're, you know, you're getting ready to, to introduce another book, another uh, chapter in the book. Um, and it, it can be, it can be taxing sometimes when you're an artist, you're an artist is basically what you are. You're a writer, but you're an artist because what you write is from, comes from you. Um, do you find that sometimes writer block comes into play? Have you ever had that issue? Let's say, uh, with the Barry King, did you get to a point where you just had a writer's block? You, you were a couple chapters in and you just couldn't come up with anything. Solidly, yes. Um, with the Buried King, there was about a one-month period where every time I picked it up, I just couldn't figure out how to go from there. It took a lot of uh, help from my mom, actually. My mom helped me pursue, persevere through the writer's block and write a better book than what I was writing. When I was writing Shadow Dancer, there was one section where for two weeks straight, I stared at the same pages, and I just could not get past it. And then one day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I did it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the struggle is real. You know, you have like Stephen King, you know, it took him 10 years to write under the dome. So there's a, it, it tends to happen sometimes, you know, some of our greatest work comes when it's unexpected. And I think writing is cathartic for everyone. Uh, you know, even when you're, you know, when you're depressed, sometimes people get their best work when they're depressed or, you know, when they find something that reminds them of something, you know, they have to write it down like I said, some people have a gift for this. You know, my gift is being able to speak to people. Your gift is being able to write. Um, it's finding that balance, I think, uh, because people like myself, I'm, you know, we we're creative, but we create we create in a different way. You are very creative because you put pen to paper. Uh, it's something that's not easy for a lot of people. They get stuck, or their thoughts, you know, get jumbled up. And I see things in in movie form, so I don't see things in written form. So if I, if I'm thinking of a book, thinking about writing a book, I'm thinking is as if I see it on the screen. Is that how you see things or you see things as, you know, it, it as in writing form? I think that's a good actual, actually a really good way to put it. It does feel to me like watching a movie as I write what I'm writing. So for me, that's the biggest thing for me. Everything that I see that I run and write down, I, I, I visualize it, you know, and I think that has to do a lot to do with the ADHD that I have as well. It makes me, I see everything like 3D. It has to be, I have to visualize it. I have to see it in my head as a movie, how it's going to play out. I'll even put, you know, <laughs> actors that I want in those specific roles to see how it's, it's going to work. Um, but for you, when you're trying to get yourself in the mood to write, do you prefer being in a happier mood or do you prefer being in a somber mood to get yourself motivated to work? Somber. Really? Definitely. Yeah. I find when I'm a little down and down in the dumps, I find I, I, my best poetry happens that way. Um, when it comes to my fiction books though, I do prefer to be in a calmer range, mm -hmm. like not too overwhelmed with happiness or too overwhelmed with sadness. Just kind of in that, mediocre range it's it's amazing how we have to go to a place that we normally don't want to go to to be super creative sometimes um but how do you get out of it so you're writing right you're in that place you're in a somber mood and you're you're starting to write 
pen to paper and you're, you know, you're going page after page after page, but you're so deep into it. How do you pull yourself out of that? Because sometimes it can lead you down a rabbit hole to be even more depressed than, than what you started. So how do you pull yourself out of that after you're done expressing yourself and getting all that on paper? Um, I usually share my work with my friends to get their advice and talk to them. They offer support. And my mom, my mom is a big supporter who, when I'm upset, I can send her some poems and it helps her understand how I'm feeling. And then we work together on how to kind of pull myself out of that rut. Yeah, having a support system is always the best thing. Uh, because sometimes, you know, people suffer in silence and it can be, it can be a daunting task, especially folks that have, you know, uh, mental health issues is we get into a place where we can't pull ourselves out when we get into that dark place, but having friends and family and a support system that there is, is always a good thing. And I think where the headspace that you're in right now with the support you have, I think you can continue to keep doing what you're doing and, and keep growing your, your fantasy novels. Now, with your novels, is that geared towards uh, younger audience? We're talking teens to like 20s or older audience in like 30s, 40s. Where is the age group within within the books that you're writing? Um, I definitely say the poetry books are geared more towards any age, mm -hmm. but are very common struggles for people who are my age. I'm 26. Um, but then my fiction books, they're more geared towards young adults early late teenagers got you so do you at some point want to get these books to the point where you know somebody down the road want to you know take one of these books and buy the rights and and get a movie made for them that's the dream that I is think, definitely the dream I, you know what if the books blow up which i'm hoping they do for you you know and you have a good story it's only a matter of time i mean there's been a lot of people that that had in the rights uh, brought from them from books, but the movies never get made, but they still get paid because of the rights uh, that were brought from them. So, I mean, I, I see you as someone who's determined, come on, you had your first book published at 15 and you've been doing it ever since and you're, you're 26 now. You People can't knock that. It, it's an, it's a great accomplishment, you know, doing that at an early age and you did it on your own. So now you have a publisher, but on, on your early books, you said there was a struggle. So did you have to go... Uh, you know, was there a system there for you to do the self-publishing? Would you still do self-publishing now if, if you didn't have, you know, uh, somebody there to help back you up uh, to doing what you're doing now? Uh, I'd say if I hadn't been lucky, and I will say lucky enough to get a publisher, I would continue self-publishing. But I have a publisher now, and I, it's, it's my dream, and I can't wait to see my books on books on physical paper from these publishers they're um they, they've been wonderful to work with they've been very patient with me and because uh, when i wrote shadow dancer i sent it to them when to the publisher when i only had two thousand words written and within those two thousand words they decided to publish me and that was when i decided i don't think i'll self-publish again because it, if i can get a publisher it's a lot easier yeah, but so, you know, sometimes it, it, it's uh, it's a struggle, like you said, um, when you know you're first getting off the ground and and the books are not you know selling like hotcakes, like you would like them to. It's you know it's just getting yourself out there and and you know getting your book known to a bigger audience. So you continue to keep doing podcasts and have you done you know other things besides pack? Have you tried to you know book a, a spot on a 
you know, somebody's YouTube page or, you know, someone on radio, are you planning to work on stuff like that as well? I have been on the radio based in, uh, by, uh, the UK. Nice. Um, I will be on an upcoming YouTube channel, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now. Um, I've done local newspapers and interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're getting yourself out there, getting that book, you know, uh, more seen than it is. And where do you sell the book at? Is it sold on Amazon? Is it on Kindle? Where can people actually find Um, the book? Amazon. I haven't figured out how to get them onto Barnes and Noble and stuff yet. Well, I think your publisher uh, will try to help you out with that one (laughs) to try to get, to try to get the book sold uh, at a bigger publication. Um, Now with Shadow Dancer, is this follow-up you feel your best work that you've done? I personally think it's some of the best work I've done. My friend, she would help me write it. She'd read it, tell me if it made sense. And she said, she every time I said it to her, she's like, I need you to write more. I need to know more about the story. And my mom said that, my mom gives me a cruel, honest advice kind of thing. <laughs> Not cruel. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Um, but she gives me honest advice saying what you've written here is really good, but you wrote there, not so much, but you, it's just, I'm really proud of this, this project. And I really hope it rings with true with some people. Constructive criticism is always a good thing. You know, it, it depends on how you take it. And, you know, moms, you know, moms can be very blunt, um, in their critique of how they do things. It's like me when I first started podcasting, you know, my mom used to listen to the episodes and she used to tell me, Hey, this is really good and good conversation you're having, but you need to work on this. And, you know, we, we, we brush it under the table sometimes, uh, about our moms, but she's right. You know, moms are usually right in their critique and what they're saying, and they try to make things better for us in the long run. Um, so I'm glad you have your mom there uh, to help you and, and to keep you grounded and focused on on what you're doing, because some people don't like to take the uh, constructive criticism. Has the publishing company come back the same way and told you, you know, this, maybe need to do this or that? Have you given them any pushback on any of the constructive criticism they've given you? I actually just last night received the first draft edits for Shadow Dancer. Mm-hmm. And there were some, a couple of comments about what I needed to fix and, you know, grammar issues and stuff like that. But it wasn't like a major upheaval of the book. So I'm hoping that's a good thing. That's great. I mean, if it's not that much, that means, you know, you're, you're on the right track and they, you know, they really like what you're doing. Now, as far as you writing, let me ask you a question. Have you utilized, what, how do you feel about AI? How do you feel about uh, people writing books now through AI and not writing the traditional way anymore where, you know, they're, they're typing it up themselves, but they're using AI to tell their story. Um, I don't like the idea. I mean, I think AI has its place. It's done some cool art for me, for my characters, Mm -hmm. for me to use for publication, like for uh, advertising. But at the same time, when you're writing a book with AI, it just doesn't feel as genuine and you don't get that personality like that because every writer has their own personality that they write through their books and AI just doesn't have that. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I mean, it seems like AI is taking over everything now. You know, there's song people are writing, you know, whole songs are being written now. You know, people are writing screenplays through AI. I think AI takes away from some of the creativity 
of a person like yourself who, you know, who's putting in the hours and the time of getting things done, you know, people are writing whole books in 20 minutes and selling them online, thinking that they've, you know, created something. They haven't. A computer generated that, you know, it didn't come from you. It didn't come from the heart. And, you know, bits and pieces of yourself goes into your writing, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. So a piece of you is in that book, a piece of who you are is in that book. And I can understand the passion behind it because, you know, it's part of you. It's something that drove you, something in your mind drove you to write these words on the page. And, you know, when people use AI to generate things like that, to write books, I think it takes away from an artist. And you're an artist when it comes to writing, right? You're, you're, you're the person who's putting the work behind what you're doing and the passion. And I think AI takes away from that. I think it takes away from the genuine emotion that we see on a page. You know, you can see a person's whole life on, on pages. Sometimes they put a lot of themselves in their books. You know, a lot of their own personal situations are written on those pages, but as another character, do you feel you've done that as well with your books? With my upcoming book, Hidden Faces, it is actually a based on uh, complete personal experiences. Um, it's about, I haven't decided on the character's name, but basically it's based on my time in a, psych- in a child and adolescent unit for psychi- psychiatry when I was 17. And it, it gets built to kind of show mental health and uh, recovery. And it's it's a big part of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And my experiences, so you you can't get that deep personal edge that you would get with with AI. It just you just can't get it. Now, are you when you say are you a, a you're a mental health advocate as well? Have you reached out? Have you you know have people come to you for help? Have you talked to people? I mean, because your poems are part of who you are and, and it expresses the issues that you've had with uh, mental health, has anybody come to you for advice? Have anybody come for you for help, you know, uh, based on what you've written? No. So you have, so there is, at some point, someone may come to you and say, hey, the words that you've written on these pages has helped me. Um, Oh, I have that, yes. Right, yeah, that's what I mean. With somebody coming to you saying, hey, your words have helped me, your words have helped me get through this, that's what I meant when they say they've come to you um, and, and talked to you. So you've had that already. Yes. Okay. So you've helped somebody. That's, I mean, that's the best thing you can do. Even if it's one person, you you've created a safe space for somebody to be able to express themselves to you because of your writing. And that's something you should be proud of. Um, now let me know where people can find you uh, and where they, you said they can find the book online. Uh, they can find it on, you said Amazon. Uh, where can they find you on social media? Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, I don't really use Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Yeah. Um, my TikTok and Instagram are both my first name, K-I-L-A-Y-L-A. And then it's an X or an X-O. They have both. Okay. Do you post a lot on social media? Do you interact a lot with your, uh, with the people that, that follow you and who you follow? I don't really have a big following. I post a lot on my uh, TikTok, mm-hmm. but I've only ever reached about 4,000 views on one one promoted post. But I do read a lot of my poetry on TikTok. 
Yeah, you know what? I, Instagram, I, with, not so much. With with TikTok, what's crazy about TikTok is is you know I I can post a video and it'll stop at like two hundred and fifty people, right? But if I promote it, it'll reach out to you know another two or three thousand people. But then after the promotion's done, it's dead. It won't go any yep. further. And that's one of the things I don't really like about TikTok is is they don't push you as as hard as you want. Because some of these numbers, I think people inflate on TikTok, you know, on on what their their numbers are because they're promoting it. And don't get me wrong, you know, it's all about money. You know, it's it's pay to play. We want to get out there. But when we have when you have something genuine like you have and you have a message behind what you're doing. You know, uh, the algorithm should be able to push that out. You know, hashtags. Do you use tend to use certain hashtags when you're promoting your stuff on TikTok? Yeah. Have you? I found- use like um, I use like Explore on Instagram because that's a big that gets you on the Explore page. Mm-hmm. Um, in, on TikTok, I use Book Talk because that's a big one. And are those hashtags or is that like a, a hashtags? A, oh. Okay. And that, that'll that get you more exposure out there for the book. Hopefully. No, you got to stay positive. Got to stay positive. That, Can't that stay hopeful. Just say it's going to happen for you. You got you to talk it into existence. You know, the more positive we are, the, you know, the, the better chances of things happening for us. And I think your, your creativity is going to take you a long way if you just, you know, keep showing the passion that you're uh, showing. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, you have a passion for what you do. I know you pour yourself into into your work and, you know, just at some point, you know, don't let it consume you because sometimes, you know, people, they go into dark places when they write and they can't find their way out. But you have such a good support system. I see a bright future ahead of you with these books and hopefully, you know, things start to pick up for you where you're able to tour and able to read, you know, at, at Barnes and Nobles and, you know, have book signings. And that's the goal. That's That's what I want for everybody is to be successful. And I want that for you as well. So. I'm going to leave you with what I leave everybody with. If you found your purpose, live it. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Have a good night, everybody. You take care.